0: Hey guys, welcome to MarTech Masters Season 2. I'm Gabriel Marguglio, CEO of NextNee Marketing and your host. Please remember to subscribe to get updates on our latest episodes. Kicking off Season 2, we have a very special guest, the one and only Rand Fishking, CEO of SparkToro and founder and previous CEO of Moss. In this episode, Rand dives into empowering businesses to build great brands with long-term strategies. How to protect your brand by auditing your ads, fighting ad giants like Google and Facebook, who he thinks is currently marketing in the most unique and conscious way, and Ran's love for storytelling, cooking, mixology, and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Martech Masters. I am here today with Ran Fishking. You might know him as the founder of Moss, of course. Uh, a great inspiration for everybody in the SEO world and, and much more than that. Uh, he's the writer of Lost and Founder, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world. Uh, we, we're going to talk about a little bit about that. And he's now the co founder and CEO of SparkToro. Hey, Rand, this is amazing having you here. What a pleasure. What an honor. Thank you, sir, for being here today. How are you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Thank you for having me, Gabrielle. Awesome, awesome. So um, what don't you tell, of course, I did a little introduction, but why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and uh, a little bit about your journey?
1: Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned I I started a company called Moz in the SEO space, which of course is a software company. Um, I left Moz uh, about almost three years ago now and started SparkToro, which is in audience intelligence and market research. So essentially trying to help people understand more about their audiences, whatever audience they want to reach and target with their marketing work or their product work. So SparkToro is designed such that you can search for any group of people on the web um, and get data back about their aggregated behavior. You know, what do they follow? What do they listen to? What do they pay attention to? What do they watch? Uh, what do they subscribe to? What do they talk about? What hashtags do they use? What are they, what, what words and phrases would you find in their bio? All those kinds of things, which helps tons of marketers who are thinking, hey, how do I reach chemical engineers in the UK or landscaping specialists in Los Angeles County or uh, people who are interested in Dungeons and Dragons in Canada, you know, and spark Toro can tell you what podcasts they subscribe to and what YouTube channels they listen to and, and watch and which websites they visit and what social accounts they follow so that you can do good marketing in all of those places. Um, and this company, uh, we just launched in April of 2020, AKA the worst time to launch a new business in hundred years. <laughs> but, um, despite that things are going, uh, pretty darn well. And I, um, Obviously my, my, my previous um, career as, as sort of a, a conference speaker uh, has been relatively curtailed, but I love joining folks like yourself for, yeah, informal chats like this.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. And, and again, sparktor can help you build an audience, can help you find email addresses very, you know, ABM type kind of situation where you need to find people in a specific industry or phone. or if you have a podcast, you can find who is listening to these people or try to find audiences that might match with yours. Uh, even for SEO, I was thinking, you know, you can do some research and then connect with the right people at the right, you know, companies um, that that will might link back to your website so that that it looks like SparkTurk can help a different array of of marketers out there, right? Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest, I
1: think uh, there's a, a small but substantive subgroup of our customers who are in primarily the sort of content marketing, SEO, link building world. And they use SparkToro, especially to do things like find podcasts to pitch because many kind podcasts like yourself, right? When you have a guest on that also comes with, you know, a link and a reference to their work. And, you know, here's an article we discussed and those kinds of things. Uh, you, you know, you'll go and pitch an outlet on coverage in a sort of digital PR way. Mm-hmm. That'll come with, again, a link and a reference. And and those kinds of things really does help with SEO.
0: Of course, of course. So, uh, of course, we want to dive into, you know, this, the, the Martek Master started, I don't want to go through the whole history, but we started in the middle of the pandemic. We we did other, you know, um, video series and podcasts before, but MarTech Masters was born with the pandemic. So last year, we focused a lot in how businesses were evolving and adapting and things like that. But we realized that the, the best episodes were all about passionate people, passionate people, you know, making it happen and, and how you drive that passion and you make You know, create a great brand and and you make your business grow and you help your customers. So, of course, we're excited to dive into all the passions that you have, your SEO passions, your creating amazing content, you know, whiteboard Fridays and all that stuff. But before that, let's talk about your personal passions. So, what drives you? What are you passionate about? Of course, we know you cook a lot. Uh, your wife definitely sells you as the most amazing cook and beautiful cook in the world. So that's great to have someone that does that. But other than that, what are some of your personal passions out there?
1: I'm a huge fan of great storytelling. So I love, I love consuming great fiction, whether that is, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, uh, comic books or, or um, television and movies, uh, video games, you know, literature all that stuff i i just love i love well-told stories um i think fiction has a power to give people empathy for situations that they themselves might never be part of and that is one of the most beautiful parts of being a human being is yeah. is being able to empathize with others and feel their their pains and their losses their regrets their triumphs um i am also uh, i am quite passionate about. The food and beverage world, so I, I love to keep practicing my cooking and and drink making. Um, I am, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I I like games, so escapism is a part of that, and nice. I think that fits in with kind of the storytelling stuff. I, I someday maybe in some future career post Spark Toro, if it's very successful, I'd love to uh, maybe even get into game development. That's it's awesome, a fascinating That's for, world. Maybe
0: maybe a and um game development situation there i think i think i'd probably do
1: something more in the computer video game world mm-hmm. um just because i i have a passion for um for for sort of that programming scalability
0: that's awesome and you know uh again looking looking back at the cooking uh, and and how you share that on social media it's it's also that personal side of you that that makes you relatable and makes you, make makes us connect in a human way to you and your brand and your businesses and everything else. So, I'm I'm we're always thinking about that connection between the person and the business and the brand and and how personal branding is also important in the in the in the business world. So, um, I mean, I think you know the
1: weird part about that to me, Gabrielle is I don't. I sort of intentionally try and share things that are that are not related to my professional world, and not with the intent of building up a personal brand around it. Right. So, like, you know, I'm not trying to to show off like, oh, I'm perfect and you can be too, or like, look at all this amazing. There's sort of that world of like influencers where they, you know, have this entrepreneurial culture of, um, I don't even know what to call it, (laughs) kind of worship,
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: Um, Mm one-upsmanship and I just don't I don't like that at all like when I share cooking stuff it's sort of like a I have fun I had fun making this and maybe you'll have fun making it too and if not you can have fun you know sharing along in this story with me and does it have anything to do with my business or like why you should follow me no it's just I authentically am having fun would you like to have fun with me? Let's have fun together,
0: right? And that's why it works because it's authentic and it's 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 relatable and it connects. And I'm not I'm not saying people should create a persona around sure, them yeah. and share the beautiful pictures of the, you know what they did that weekend, but uh but it also shows the human side of things. And and and, and it's interesting to connect the personal passion with business passion because of course we know you're super passionate about your business. You've been out there. You're always doing, you know, with, with Whiteboard Fridays at Moss. you know, you, you went out there and you taught everybody. And passion is definitely something that we saw from you. You wrote a book which shows your passion and how through the struggles of building a business without the money, without going to college, like all that stuff, you definitely need passion. So the question is, how, how important is passion in business to you? It's odd because I don't love the raw
1: money-making financial passion side of entrepreneurship, which which I think is unfortunately um very dominant in business and startup culture. I, I think that there there are real reasons why people are incredibly fearful of being anything less than you know incredible super wealthy. you know the country we live in is, is brutal to people without money. Mm-hmm. It's even brutal to the middle class. Like it, it's rough. So it's build, I, I-
0: build on these things too, right? We're built on capitalism and money needs to drive everything, right? Yeah. So
1: I, I, I have empathy for that. I understand why people worship and follow those folks. I understand why entrepreneurial culture sort of celebrates billionaires over everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm really turned off by it. Right, I, I hate that. That's what we worship. I I understand it, but I hate it. And um, I, for me, the the passion that I have around entrepreneurship and and business is creating something new that did not exist previously. That helps people accomplish something in new and interesting and fun ways. That you know, sort of, I get to design. Like it's the you know, it's that creative storytelling side of me. The Um, I think, I think, look, if it were more financially lucrative, I'd be an artist. (laughs) I'm not good at it. I, 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 am a terrible artist. I can't, I can't really draw or, or paint or, or, you know, um, or sing or create music or those kinds of, but I, I love, I love the incentives and the model of art. I love the creative side. Just that stuff is awesome to me. That's what appeals to me about entrepreneurship and i think um you know when it when it comes to passion i find a lot of affinity with people who share that mentality and also you know if i have a ton of passion for wanting to change the culture around this so i you know i would love to imagine that in the you know in the twilight years of my life maybe we live in a world that is less brutally capitalist and much more um sort of leverages the great parts of capitalism which are everybody gets to do the thing that they're interested in and if it's useful to society and people want to pay them money for it like there's that that freedom i love that freedom of capitalism like that's the that, that's the beauty and appeal to me and then also if you don't want to create things or circumstances dictate that you are in a rough spot the en- enormous wealth that our society has created protects you from you know, having, you know, whatever, health problems, and no one takes care of you, uh, homelessness, and you have no place to live, like, we, we're we too rich for that. We, we've moved way past that, like, this is not the 1700s, we, we should be in that world. So that's another, you know, sort of aspect of society. I, I don't know how America managed to brand uh, socialism as a negative thing when it's clearly super awesome, if done well, like everything else, like, Capitalism sucks when it's done badly. Oh, it's great when it's done well. Right? Yeah. Like,
0: socialism, same thing. Great
1: when it's done well. Terrible when it's done badly. Yeah,
0: and and it doesn't have to be name anything, you know. Yeah, you don't have I, to I,
1: call I, it. You don't have to I, apply labels and all this stuff, right? Take take care of people regardless of whether they deserve it.
0: That's it. We are one people. We and are one people. as one people, we should be taking care of each other. And if someone has a ton of money and someone doesn't have any money there should be some balance there and 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 it doesn't have to be called something so we can separate a, a, each other again let's unite and find solutions like you said we're so smart and we're so rich we're we're so abundant this universe and this world and this country we're so lucky to be so abundant that there should be solutions and i i love that you have that as passion of yours i've always had that as a as a in the back burner is like how do we unite how do we become one and of course we're living through crazy times and that could be a whole different podcast we can we can go over in that rabbit hole some other time uh but but definitely i see the world you're talking about from my perspective and i want to be part of that world and I see your passion for, you know, taking down the big, you know, corporation. And I see your passion for, you know, fighting Google and Facebook and, and, and maybe not fighting, but giving tools to the little guy like Tour to actually, or Moz, because in the end, Moz was all about coming up on the first page of Google, getting your business, grow your business and all that stuff. So, how do you take down that that big guy? I, I was not going to ask you this, but it's definitely who you are. That passion, I see that passion every day. How do you fight such a big force like big corporations shifting and in, in crafting society around us? Yeah, I think
1: I think there's three things that we we get to do. So, as as individuals, we can choose to reject the narratives that we are being fed about you know, the division between capital and labor, right? Mm -hmm. So like, we can recognize, oh, I see that for the last, you know, whatever, 40 or 50 years, wealthy individuals and corporations have sort of used their power and influence to make us believe things that are probably untrue, that, that, you know, shift our mindset and... Therefore, we can change our own behaviors around, you know, what sorts of politics we support and how we vote and how we act in our communities and where we buy from and all those kinds of things. And also we can be cognizant that individual act action, as fulfilling as it might feel in the moment, is not going to make a dent, mm-hmm. right? Like you and I and everyone who listens to this podcast and 10,000 other people can all go and do those things and it will make just really no difference. And so collective action, right, the second thing is is also important, right, that we need to think about, hey, how do we um, hold powerful people and corporations accountable for things that are um, negative externalities on society? Mm-hmm. And that we have a tool to do that, it's government. Definitely. Unfortunately, there's a, a large segment of society, regardless of political belief, right, or, or sort of spectrum belief, who think that government can't do that i disagree i think it can do it we just need to elect good people and give mm-hmm. them the right sorts of tools and power and incentive and remove the negative incentives and and then i think it's possible right and if if we collectively as a society can take those actions there are wonderful things and then the third thing we can do is with our businesses and our dollars and that's where moz and spark toro right the, the business that i built that have have tried to do that, right? So SparkToro is a is a reasonably good example, right? Where essentially so Casey and I recognized, hey, all these dollars are flowing into online advertising, flowing into marketing, and they're they're almost exclusively going to Google and Facebook, right? Yeah. Because these these two companies have this sort of duopoly over online advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not quite a duopoly; it's like sixty five percent market share between the two of them, but still, you know, huge huge dominance. What if we could empower creators uh, to earn the marketing and advertising influence and in dollars by making advertisers and brands and companies aware of the audiences they capture? Right. The fundamental reason that you or I might go to Facebook and say, here, take $100,000 a month of mine and like show my ads to these people is because Facebook has the ability to show it to the what we think are the right people. Audience, yeah. The right audience. Mm-hmm. And so fundamentally, if we could figure out where that audience went, right, what they pay attention to, we could funnel some amount of that $100,000. Maybe we take 30,000 of those dollars and sponsor these podcasts mm-hmm. and sponsor these websites and you know sponsor that event and and run this co-part you know run a partnership with another firm and sponsor this email newsletter and all these kinds of things right good marketing things and what that would do is create more equality and equity in the ecosystem right we empower more creators because they can now fund their businesses that attract these audiences mm-hmm. And we reduce the dominance that Facebook has over capturing everyone. Mm-hmm. To my mind, that's a really beautiful thing. It's a really it's a really good thing, right? If you want to have a healthy economy, a great capitalist world, you want lots of small and medium businesses. You do not want a few powerful corporations and people. That's where you tend to get all the bad effects. And so those are kind of the ways that I think about um, taking my personal beliefs and values and helping people, regardless of their their political beliefs, right, around whatever, you know, where they are in the spectrum, but helping to create a more fair and equitable economic and um, positive incentive environment.
0: And we've seen all the horror stories where you run an ad and all of a sudden the ad is being shown in some crazy website that shouldn't be shown and your money is going to things that we don't even think <laughs> should exist in the twenty in the 2020, 2021. So uh, that's also another thing is protecting your dollars and protecting your brand from not being part of crazy things that you don't even know are happening because you're just throwing dollars at Google and Facebook and expecting that they will govern those things and they will do the right thing and not support a crazy website that... I don't know. It's racism, or yeah, yeah. You know, and that that and, happens all the
1: time, right? Unfortunately, um, I, I am not the expert on this subject, but but you should, um, if, if if you want, I'm happy to connect you with Nandini Jami, who the co-founder of Sleeping Giants, and and, and check my ads. Amazing. and she's like basically, you know, she and her co-founder have un- uncovered all these just. Um, incredibly weird worlds of brand safety companies, right, which have these filters that prevent your ads from showing on what they deem to be negative news stories, mm-hmm. you know, so you go to the New York Times, and there's a story about, you know, um, um, rioters uh, at, the, at the Capitol building, like, yeah. like what happened yesterday, and, and a brand says, I don't want to be associated with that story, but then you go to you know whatever white supremacist website one oh one and <laughs> and and there's this you know maddening and infuriating uh, um, website that funds these these extremists. But their story about I don't know some Twitter conversation, your ad is getting shown there programmatically because the filtering process in Google and Facebook is so. Um, archaic, so Kafka esque, right? <laughs> In terms of how to how to figure out how to control that, and that's by by intention, right? So Google and Facebook and and tons of other ad tech companies right. are funding, you know, hate and division and misinformation and disinformation and mm-hmm. and propaganda, um, and then also preventing that funding from going to, you know, not that the New York Times is like needs all your money, right? But mm-hmm. Preventing um, and essentially, you know, sort of um, creating incentives for news organizations to not publish important pieces on controversial topics yeah. because they won't get money for them. So yeah. you, you are getting a really messed up media and advertising ecosystem. Um, you know, I saw I saw some folks tweeting like, "It's really weird to." be in the ad tech world and realize that, you know, the events of yesterday, right? The, the storming of the Capitol building
0: yeah. is kind of your
1: fault, right? Like it you is. in it ad tech, You were
0: showing ads, you were showing content that you shouldn't be showing. You should govern what's happening there. And of course, uh, people are going to say that the right is, is their right to say whatever they want. But one thing is to say something. And the other thing is to promote and get money Right through those mediums. That's exactly right, and and in many ways, right the um,
1: you know, if you are someone who supports sort of uh, conservative beliefs in the Mm -hmm. United States, uh, five or six years ago, almost all the actions of the last three or four years would have seemed absolutely abhorrent and unacceptable to you. And so the question is, how did how do people fall down that sort of radicalization hole? And the answer is. Uh, algorithms that optimize for engagement yeah. and um, news feeds and a media, eco- media ecosystem that's supported by advertising technology to incent that sort of behavior is what creates that uh, massive division, right? And so um, the I think it is very, very clear that ad tech indirectly and and without intention mostly for the most part right yeah. with the possible exception of facebook's decisions <laughs> some of facebook's decisions and twitter too yeah uh that essentially that is that ecosystem is responsible for the creation of this and so as advertisers you have to take some responsibility for that and and you have to audit your ads oh yeah right so if you are not regularly auditing your ads
0: it's not just that you're funding bad stuff you're also wasting those dollars You're wasting everybody's dollars, again, which could be generating more business and you could have happier customers that put more money in your network at at the same time that you're doing the right thing by not showing things that will break America, right? Like at the end of the day.
1: I mean, it just does not make sense if you're a, whatever, cybersecurity startup and you have some new data protection product and, you know, and you go and audit your Google advertising account and you're like, huh you know, why are we on the white supremacist
0: site? Is that, is that what we, is that what we want?
1: Like, is that good for our brand? Will we reach the relevant folks there? And if we took that money away from the, you know, that place and put it toward another, you know, source of marketing and advertising, could we earn a better return on investment? And the answer is absolutely. Of course. But Google, Google's goal is to create that ad slurry right yeah. sort of the slush of bad sources negative stuff you know and and then hide it in in this you know along with all the good stuff and unless you are an extremely cautious advertiser who's regularly auditing you're you're not going to see it no. the same thing's true on youtube the same thing's true on twitter the same thing's true on facebook yeah. so this is um This is both a return on investment and a brand safety and a how are you funding the world and a what are your beliefs and what you want to promote. All of those are tied together.
0: And when you were talking about Google doing that, I had to breathe for a second because it was like, oh, why are we doing this and how can we uh, how can we change this? But you're, you're right. It's like they give you enough so you keep going and they make you enough. Clicks enough visits to your site, so why wouldn't you keep putting money on it? Uh, but I, I like the concept of the sh- the, 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 the 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 what what do you call it the slurry? The slurry. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is. You have no idea where your ads are being shown, and as long as you get some leads, everything's good, right? Well, it's not that it's not that good. And 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 again, I would love to have a five-hour conversation oh, yes. about this because it's, it's, it's like, wait a minute. Is my dog Fifi in this
1: mystery meat? I think she is. They ground up my own dog and put her in here, right? And now I'm eating it. And that, you know, that's that same phenomenon—that sort of um, uh, factory farming problem of of online advertising—is affecting almost every advertiser. And this is not just true in display and retargeting and brand ads. It also happens in pay per click, right, with search marketing advertising, Mm -hmm. where uh, slightly differently, right? Because fo- folks are going to Google and searching for terms and phrases that you probably don't want to rank for. Yeah. But because Google hides that data, you are not you're not going to see it, right? You're gonna you're gonna essentially see, um, oh, I, I see that lots of people searched for a whole bunch of query terms, and they came to my website. And unless you're auditing those query terms, you're not seeing the ones that. Uh, are largely irrelevant, are dragging down your ad quality Mm -hmm. score, are dragging down your click-through rate, are dragging down your conversion rate, and are making the rest of your ads cost more. And so you you can actually reduce your advertising spend and bring up your conversion rate by doing this auditing process. Um, You know, folks like Seer Interactive, Will Reynolds, have have written very passionately about this, have released tools around this. And then in response, Google has started pulling that ad data, right? They've like tried to pull away... (laughs) The, the keywords that send mm-hmm. so that they can hide in the ad slurry so they yep. can hide uh, the words and phrases that would that you would use to be able to um, make your advertising better and this is this has actually made it such that it's pretty smart to go advertise on Bing so that you can see all those keywords and then pull them out of your Google account,
0: (laughs) which is just, what a ridiculous runaround. It's crazy that people have to do that. But again, who defines intent, right? Google is defining the intent. Like I go and search something. And if I search for trailer homes and they show me a $5 million home ad, they're defining the intent as someone looking for a house. Like that is, how is that defining me as the right audience for that ad? It makes absolutely no sense. And we have to add those negative keywords every time. It makes no sense. Every makes time. No and Google, Google
1: does this because they are incented to do it, right? Mm-hmm. They, their algorithm, their ranking algorithm clearly would never show you that five million dollar home. They know in the organic results. Yeah, they would exactly. never show that because that's not the searcher intent. But they are happy to put it in the ad results because they know that that will drive up the advertising price clicks, right? Yeah. And show quarter over quarter growth to Wall Street. Very very frustrating, right? And right. and because they have a monopoly on search, you know, ninety percent plus. Mm-hmm there's not options, right? Nope. You can't go somewhere else and get that search traffic. And this is why I think it's so important for companies like SparkToro to exist mm-hmm. so that advertisers and marketers can, the ones who are creative, the ones who are thoughtful, the ones who have um, you know uh, uh, this desire to earn better return on investment can go find their audiences, figure out where they pay attention, and go do marketing of all kinds organic paid you know uh uh partnerships whatever in those spaces and earn a far better ROI than their competitors who are just throwing away dollars on Google and Facebook yep. ads into the slurry
0: and it's like it's like the 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 same thing as buying local right like you're you're connecting with smaller businesses that need the money that need the support such a such a great thing um going going back to to the google conversation i had to breathe again and i i really appreciate you you empowering people doing this on a regular basis and it you people have no idea every time we take on a customer and they're doing pay-per-click they're wasting half their budget like like this we can literally get half their budget applied to something else and and that happens constantly so yeah, uh, it's
1: a, I think it's a really exciting thing to imagine, um, you know, investments like SEO, mm-hmm. content marketing and strategy, uh, digital PR, um, you know, a, uh, an event strategy, all those kinds of things are long-term, mm-hmm. like you make the investment six months, nine months, 12 months, they start really paying dividends and building that flywheel for you the challenge for a lot of companies, and you know this better than anyone, is finding that initial budget to be able to make that investment. And this is where pulling out of the slurry, right, auditing the slurry and and getting your dollars into these longer-term flywheel models that don't rely don't rely on some external provider like Google or Facebook. Don't rely on paying for each separate, you know, impression and visit and conversion. That ha-
0: that, that is,
1: um, that's where the magic happens.
0: And that's owning your audience. At the end of the day, you own your audience. You get, you've talked about it, um, of course, in, with Chris Savage, your personal friend and uh, amazing CEO of uh, Wistia, one of our most, most beloved uh, partners and at uh, the Braggwag, um episode, you talked about how um, you know you could you could invest in those long-term strategies, build something, and uh, and that will not only bring visits to your website and leads, but also it builds a brand. And this is such a great segue to to our next conversation which is building those brands. And we're very passionate about building brands through brand affinity marketing, again, driven by Wistia and what Wistia has been doing for years now, um, creating things like this, you know, creating podcasts and video series and places where we can have connections, human connections, and bring more people that think like us, that want diversity in the world, that want the world to be one and that love cooking on typewriters or... Just being great marketers, right? And and building that slowly but steady. You did you did this for years at Moss. And Whiteboard Friday is now an institution and probably it shows people how to do it, right? Like you you've done it and now Moss continued it over many years. I know it was a mistake not a mistake. It was like, I wanna save some time writing, right? Like on Fridays, I think I heard you You said, I, I don't want to write every day, so I'll do a video. It's easier for me. And then that thing became, you know, the number one, you know, not only brand affinity marketing uh, aspect, but also content creation and, and driver of business. So when did you realize this was going to be impactful? Because I think that that question... I don't want to ask you the same question that everybody asked, which is like, how do I convince my boss to do like we've already gone through that many times. you have to you have to have people that really believe in these things and and getting that budget, as you mentioned. When did you realize it was impactful? I think that could help people understand um the connection between brand affinity and brand and 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 what you create over time and then connecting the dollars is also. You can't measure everything. So how do you connect the dots between that passion in the brand and business? To be honest, some of it is
1: pure intuition, right? So some of it is I take on faith that every week when I'm recording this video series, I'm getting a little bit better. Hmm. I see a little bit more traffic. Sometimes it goes down and then it goes back yep. up again. Uh, I, when I go to conferences and events, I think, I know that the organizers invited me because they've seen me on video. And so they think, oh, this person is reasonably competent standing in front of a crowd if they're reasonably competent standing in front of a camera. (laughs) Um, I know that they talk about these sorts of things. And so right they're going to be a good match for that. And then we could see the the brand affinity that came from watching a video uh, was much higher than someone who read a blog post. Mm-hmm. Right. So looking at visit path before conversion was a was a good way to uh, do that. But, in you know, in those early probably those first two years, I'm not sure we were doing those analyses. It just felt right. You know, in a lot of ways, it was one of. Um, I think anytime you are making a long term investment like that. Uh, it has to have these elements of relatively easy to invest in and get better at each time, right? And the, the video certainly was. It was, you know, an hour of my time, maybe 90 minutes of my time once a week. Is that something I can do? Yeah, right? And does that start to to build up after 100 hours, two years of, of doing it? Absolutely, right? If you watch the early Whiteboard Fridays, you'll see, you know, <laughs> like, that guy's terrible, what, what is he doing? He should not be on video. but if you watch him from you know 2010, 2011, 2012, pretty good. Like he's getting good, right? and, and that is um, I the way I think about brand building and content marketing content strategy, um, the way I think about uh, building any sort of marketing flywheel is it is a lot like building muscle, right? You go to the gym 10 times every, you know, whatever, three, you know, three times a week for, for six weeks. And you're like, gosh, I don't feel any different. I look in the mirror, I don't see any change. After two years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you see the change, you feel the difference, right? Your body is different when you get out of bed. Like it's just, this is a, a different sort of phenomenon. I, I don't actually go to the gym, but
0: <laughs> me neither. But <laughs> a great analogy. Yeah, but it's like it's it's that
1: same kind of thing, right? You you start eating healthy yeah, or you're doing your physical anything.
0: therapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or you are um whatever, you're taking care of your dental uh health yeah. and suddenly, you know, like the next dental visit they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, not so bad this time." It it's that sort of thing. It's the it's the small ongoing consistency of investment that builds up over time. And I think when you can You know, convince your team, your manager, your client that that's the way it works. Sometimes you can't do it yourself. You have to have someone else convince them. Yeah. Sometimes you have to show them their competitors doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets them over the top. And sometimes you won't convince them and you just got to walk away and find somebody else to do it.
0: Definitely. So, do you think that small businesses can do this too? You know, of course, a big brand. I get it that when you started it, Moss wasn't the, the monster that, that, that it is today, but but do you think small businesses can also use brand affinity and, and brand affinity marketing through video series, podcasts, and great content to actually build a brand and build a, a micro audience of, of lovers of the brand? Is that possible for small businesses? It, it's possible, but only if it resonates with you. Like I... When I talk to
1: business owners, especially small, medium-sized business owners, what you cannot expect as a marketer is for them to, you know, see a video series and be like, oh, okay, I should invest in video or see a content series and be like, oh, okay, we should make a content investment. You have to find something that actually resonates with them already. Mm -hmm. Something that they feel like, uh, you know, I love getting on the phone and talking to our customers or seeing our customers in person. Okay that's special. We're going to turn that into a video series yeah. or a podcast or a you're content going to call series.
0: people in camera and we're going to record the whole thing and it's going to be beautiful. Right. Exactly.
1: Or potentially, oh, okay, you're really great at getting on the phone and having those one-to-one conversations. That's the kind of marketing we're going to do. It's going to be a little more enterprise, B2B, uh, one-to-one, you know, sales tactic, Fine, right? Go. Find the thing that works for that person. Don't try and force an outside like, hey, check out how, look how amazing it is to build up a big <laughs> fan base on TikTok.
0: <laughs> no, yes. I heard your story. I heard what you think about TikTok and I agree with you. It might be great for some marketers, but I, I agree that it's not the uh, the most um, consistent, valuable channel for businesses to actually put their I,
1: I worry yeah. a little bit about I would say both TikTok tock and snapchat um as as long-term affinity builders and I also worry about um just in general making any social channel your primary audience attractor mm-hmm. you know as as we've seen Whatever, 10 years ago, I knew tons and tons of businesses who had built these huge audiences on Facebook. Yep. I say huge, whatever. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people on Facebook. And audience reach was 10%, 11%, 12%. Right. So you put up a post and like a thousand of the 10,000 people who saw it, who followed you would see it.
0: And you're like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to keep, keep building. building, put all the money here. And now nobody sees your posts unless you pay for it it
1: was it, you know when it, when it fell to 2% yep. these all these marketers were like oh no oh no when it fell to 1% when it fell to half a percent today the average facebook organic page reach is 0.09%
0: own your audience which by the way you can never own it just own the you know have email addresses that you can website connect with and
1: website and email
0: send people to your website have their email and then do amazing content so they want to come back, right? At the end of the day, that's all about creating audiences that actually like your, your content. So, um, again, I love all of this and I love how how, how you how you see it as a long term and, and, and the whole dentist analogy makes <laughs> so much sense. We're going to get a bunch of dentists now interested in MarTech Masters. I love that. Uh, not our best audience but great Uh, but now any any brands you see out there doing it right and of course there's a ton of huge brands any brands in in the small medium large business um, industries anybody doing it really really well we know Wistia of course is is a pioneer in all these things and and they continue to do podcasts and new things but any other brands that you've seen doing it great out there
1: yeah, you know, um, I am I am always inspired by folks who are doing uh very different kinds of marketing. Mm-hmm. And one one that really impressed me, especially during the pandemic, there's a there's a company that's located here in my hometown called Saver Seattle. Okay. Um S-A-V-O-R, Saver Seattle. And Saver Seattle offered tours of the Pike Place market. Pike mm-hmm. Place Market is sort of this you know, relatively well-known landmark in Seattle. If you ever, you know, come to the city, everyone here will be like, oh yeah, you gotta, gotta go visit the market, see all the stalls. It's, you know, it's a historic institution and a tourist destination. And it's a place where a lot of people actually do all their grocery shopping. Um, Savor Seattle, of course, once the pandemic hit, market tours, that that is not going to happen. There's, there's nothing, right? And The owners there saw all these small businesses, farmers, stands, just getting shut down. They were basically just going out of business left and right. So they completely changed their model and basically did this product and partnership marketing-led, sorry, product and partnership-led marketing effort where they said, we are going to assemble gift bags and boxes and deliverables and like things that you would send to people for All sorts of reasons, things that you would buy at home to consume and you know eat during the pandemic while you're in quarantine, Uh, and you're going to be able to order those on our website. And we're going to do marketing through primarily our email newsletter with Mm -hmm. updates about you know getting all this content about the providers themselves and partnerships with each of the different uh, food creators, so that all of them have the incentive to drive people to our site because we're the way that you get their product, you know, delivered to you.
0: Amazing. Kind of like a butcher box or some of those brands that are doing delivery, but in a localized and bringing the farmers and bringing community, which was and all beautifully. packaged, in. Right. Like, oh. like really
1: it, it's, it's the experience of going to a farmer's market, I a big it. farmer's market and like buying 15 different things from 15 different providers mm-hmm. all at once and getting that delivered. And so, yeah, a lot of it is gifting. A lot of it is, you know, people eating stuff at home. But they the, the product um, or sorry, the, the marketing intuition that they had around, hey, if we package this right and we do this partnership with all these folks, we can transition our brand into being huge. They just got acquired, by the way, um, another course. Seattle company mm-hmm. called Homegrown acquired saver seattle because they were like oh my god they were sold out of their of almost every gift box almost every time i visited Amazing. their website like so all these providers right hundreds of small businesses are supported by their effort so i love that wow. and also all those hundreds of small businesses are pointing people back to saver seattle because that's how their bread is buttered so good.
0: And again, we are one helping the planet. It, it connects with all that stuff, too. It's it's helping people and their businesses and their families and all that stuff. Uh, it, I wish we and could PR
1: we- big like PR push. Right. So if you if you visit Seat- Safer Seattle's website, you'll see that they essentially leverage the storytelling aspect of what they did to earn tons of press and praise. Which which is really smart, right? Mm-hmm. What, what what they did is essentially it's sort of the sparktoro methodology. It's go figure out where your audiences pay attention, right? Their audiences pay attention to things like TripAdvisor and Yelp, sure, on, on the broad sense, but Sunset Magazine and the Travel Channel and the Seattle Times and Farmers and Sky and you know um, um, Pop Sugar and the local news station and Cosmopolitan Magazine and Seattle Magazine. Blah, blah, blah. That's where our audience is. How do we get coverage there? Wow oh, well, if we do these things, they will cover us.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. So, Rand, this has been amazing. I could talk to you for 50 hours, and and I would love to continue these conversations. But uh, I want to ask you, first of all, we want to make this a, a place where we create more diversity, inclusion. You know, this is one of our company goals this year, and you know, one of the things that, that, that we realize is it's not just about hiring diversity, you know, or, or just HR or just customers, which, which is it's, it's happening. And it's great. It's also asking people like you, do you know anybody that okay. doesn't get enough attention or you mentioned that Nandini and, 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 I, I think that that would be awesome. But I
1: would, I would love to connect you, Gabriel. It'd be my honor. I know dozens of great folks. Um, who fit the profile? I think I saw someone humorously refer to, um, you know, oh, if we're going to call, whatever, you know, um, uh, women and people of color uh, mm-hmm. diversity hires, then we have to call uh, straight white dudes homogeneity hires. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I am happy to be a homogeneity guest for you, and I would love to introduce you to some folks um, that's, that's amazing who, who can help on that front and who I think will make even better guests than I've been.
0: That's awesome. Anybody, anybody you want to mention uh right now that people should follow um on oh, you know, either yeah, podcast or social media or anybody doing great things?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for folks who are um, you know, especially talking about uh marketing topics, mm-hmm. um I I really, really like and recommend um uh, Asia Matos, who's uh, Arangio as well. She she um, is now on the Moz board of directors as mm-hmm. well, but runs um, uh, Demand Maven yep. uh, out of Atlanta and mm-hmm. talks about a, a lot about SaaS marketing, early stage marketing. Helps a lot of startups. Nice. Really, really smart. Um, great person to follow. Uh, if if you're in the SEO space uh, and you haven't already, I um, I was on the uh, XMO Marketing podcast with Andy Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Out of uh, Ireland, awesome, great guy, uh, really, really smart. I, I already mentioned Nandini Jami in the uh, brand safety world. I, I think the world of her. Uh, on the analytics side, uh, Mary Uso, which Owusu, which is uh, anal- at analytics, Mary on Twitter, is a great follow. I, I can send you a ton more.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you again. If you,
1: you know what? If you go to my Twitter account and you click yep. on follows. There you go. There's not it, a, it's not a bad <laughs> list. You know, you'll find some homogeneity follows too, but
0: definitely, definitely, uh, Ran. It has been an honor. You have been an incredible inspiration for us over the years as an SEO agency, as a marketing agency, as a growth agency, and as people that want to help people. You have been inspiring us, helping us, teaching us, mentoring us, and I want to thank you for all of that. Of course, thanking you for being here today. Anything else you want to say? This is your moment. Uh, we don't have so much time, but anything you want to promote, anything, anything else you wanna, you wanna tell everybody out there. Oh gosh, um, I mean, it,
1: it's uh, if folks want to give SparkToro a try, it is, it is free. We have a forever free account, and you can just go sign up and run searches and see if uh, that's useful. And of course, if I can be helpful in any way, you can drop me a line. I'm Rand at
0: SparkToro.com. Thank you, Rand. Stay safe out there, and let's hope the world continues to grow into uh, one people, right? Fingers crossed. Take it easy. Have a good one, all right? Take care. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode of MarTech Masters. Make sure to visit our website at nextinemarketing.com to watch the series, or subscribe to our podcast to be the first to check out our newest episodes. If you enjoyed our content, please leave us a review or rate our show on your podcast app.